Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. And welcome to uh, <clears throat> yet another Lynn Cullen, uh, still alive, if a bit raspy this morning. It's uh, January 14th, the day after Donald Trump was impeached for the second time. I want to be clear about this. My bet is is that he will also be exonerated by the Senate uh, a second time as well. But that's for another day to discuss. God, guys, it's almost like I need, I, it's too bad I never had training in triage, which is, you know, figuring out what has to be uh, done immediately. I mean, in terms of all the news, what has transpired or what we have learned in, in the last uh, 23 hours since last we spoke, uh, you know, what is it I should be uh, focusing on? I never know. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely uh begin almost every hour with you in a state of uh, of confusion, I think. Here's one thing, I think, because I listened, and I'm sure many of you did too. Actually, I listened. I didn't watch. I listened to the entire uh, impeachment hearing. Um, I cannot stomach another person, be they Republican or Democrat, of pulling out that old saw, I believe, uh, courtesy of uh, Ronald Reagan, and referring to this country as the shining city on a hill. Please stop. It's this kind of self-worship that brings us to the place where so many Americans uh, live, which is this misguided notion that there is something exceptional about us. If the last week or so has not disabused uh, us of that notion, I cannot imagine what would. The shining city on a hill metaphor, as far as I understand it, or understood it, since I hope it should be buried in the ash heap of history, is referring to the fact that America, that this country stands as a beacon. We're like, you know, we're like Oz as the rest of the world skips toward us, wanting so desperately to be in this magical place. The shining city on a hill suggests that we are emblematic of something worthy of something that should be aspired to, to replicate 
we are no shining city on a hill. <laughs> there have been, I suppose, moments in American history in which we seemingly sort of looked that way. But of course, closer scrutiny would have would have suggested uh, that even in those moments, it was uh, an overreach. Historians are interesting people to listen to now. They who parse the past uh, seem almost like me in their uh, sort of inability to find words for this present. Here are some quotes. One of the nation's most venerable historians, Jeffrey Ward, if you'd told me that a president of the United States would have encouraged a delusional mob to march on our capital howling for blood, I would have said you were deluded. But you see, that's exactly what happened. So those of us who remain deluded about what we are and what we have clearly become now need to try again to look with eyes that are not clouded over by the mythology that we have learned. the shining city on a hill. Here's another historian, Jay Winnick, who is specialty is the Civil War. And for a guy whose specialty is the Civil War to say this is uh, noteworthy. It's hard to find another time when the glue that holds us together was coming apart the way it is now. That's a historian of the Civil War. And it's hard for him to come up with a time when the glue that holds us together is coming apart as it is now. Well, armed troops have not been bivouacked, I love that word, have not been bivouacked in the nation's capital since the Civil War. Think of that. Nations that are shining cities on hills do not have armed troops bivouacked in their nation's capital in the week before a peaceful transition of power, one of the hallmarks of the shining city on a hill. 
there's a lot of worried people in this country now. And I'm not talking about you and me. The worried people hold positions in which they are responsible for safeguarding this nation. And their worry is palpable. There was a phone call uh, yesterday with uh, police chiefs uh, around the country, governors, security people all over the country. And everybody and their uncle was on this this call uh, from FBI to Homeland Security to on and on and on and on. And one uh, police chief said that he had never heard the level of concern that he was hearing. Do you know that concern uh, in part is about the fact that we are still a nation in which Donald Trump's people are in charge? Think about that. And in generally, they are people in charge who have not gone through the normal process of being vetted by the Senate, signed off on by the Senate. No, because Trump throughout put people who were loyal to him, who didn't necessarily have the qualifications to run whatever department they were being handed. He put people who were politically in line with him in those positions. And because they couldn't pass normal scrutiny, he let them serve as acting. And that's what we've got now. We've got these Trump loyalists acting heads, acting deputy heads, acting sub-deputy heads. And they're in charge. And the Biden people, apparently, are very concerned, and they want everybody to understand who, for instance, has the power At what point they want a detailed plan on what happens, get this, between 11.59 a.m. on January 20 and 12.01 p.m. when the transition occurs. They're concerned because it is quite possible that there will be threats to this nation's security happening in the country while Joe Biden is taking the oath of office or giving his inaugural address. It hasn't even escaped notice that foreign countries enemy foreign countries, 
just loving what they're seeing. Their, their joy is uh, immeasurable. But some of them, as we have learned, are very, very good at cyber attacks, right? And so there is a great deal of concern that some foreign actor is going to do something, who knows what, with our infrastructure, maybe even something sort of as pranksterish as making it impossible for us to hear what Biden is saying in his inaugural address, stuff like that. But the reality that right now, as I speak, there are three times the number of American troops deployed in Iraq and Afghanistan and Somalia and Syria combined. There are three times that number in our nation's capital. This is what Donald Trump has wrought. And given that, that there were only 10 Republicans yesterday after they and their colleagues ran for their very lives from this murderous mob, only 10 could summon the courage to say that the president was largely responsible and thus should be impeached. Stop and think about it. Stop and think about it. This is a president who has destroyed their party. This is a president who has cost them the White House, the Senate. This is a president who has shamed and humiliated this country. And they can't summon the courage. Now we hear in their defense, by the way, uh, before I go on to the vast majority of Republicans, I do want to say that the 10 who did summon the courage uh, need to be remembered need to be applauded, they would have their, that action alone, given the craven conduct of other members of their party, that alone puts them in uh, the same company as those who JFK put in his very skinny little book, Profiles in Courage. 
who would think Liz Cheney? <laughs> God, jeez, that's how far we've come down. That Liz Cheney stands head and shoulders above other Republicans as a defender of our democracy. And she does. The same so-called mob and the reason that these people didn't vote the right way because they're scared for their families. They're scared that the mob, they and their lies unleashed will come for them. They know how murderous their base is. And so they cower and give the murderous mob more power. Stop and think. That's 197 Republican members of Congress, some true believers, some who would have been part of the mob, but others too scared for their own personal safety to vote their conscience. They do not belong, craven, Cowards like that do not belong in such a high and consequential dis, uh, position. And by signaling their fear and that their own self-preservation trumps their Oh, what am I trying to say? I hate that when my head goes. Trump's, they're um, doing the right thing. Doing the right thing for the country. Then they do not have the qualities necessary to serve in the Congress of the United States. They should resign. They should be voted out. Because what they've done is they've just told the insurgents and they just told any other enemy of the nation that they are easily, easily just easy pickings to be cowed into doing whatever that enemy wants them to do, that their fear trumps their patriotism. So we got their number. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Sometimes I hate it when I can't find the words. I just hate it. Yesterday I was listening to some, you know, of the TV babblers. And um, I, I do, um, I, I'm in awe of how many of them, most of them, and that's why they're in that position, can talk without the 
pauses that I just treated you to, for instance, because, wow. Now, most of them have younger heads than I, and I suspect back in the day, my head worked a little bit better. It is true that with age, by the way, Abe Lincoln, good God, man, he was rolling in his grave. If every Republicans are quoting him. If I heard one more time, you know, the better angels of our nature uh, quoted, I could die. Abe Lincoln, poor guy. Okay, I'm looking at your uh, what you've been throwing up here, guys. Um, Paul writes, yesterday I thought my head was going to explode with Trump being on TV everywhere. Then I stumbled upon something on Netflix that was quite entertaining. Allowed <laughs> my being able to escape. Uh, the new 2021 limited series, Pretend It's a City, with Fran Lebowitz and uh, Martin Scorsese. Um, okay, I've heard that. She annoys me a little bit, but 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 I'm sure. I mean, she's a she's a piece of work. Thank you for that. That's what you were doing. I was being a good citizen and subjecting myself to every word. Republican and Democrat. Bree writes, did you read the story that said the White House has extended an invitation for Biden to stay at Blair House the night before the inauguration? Uh, Biden apparently has accepted. Do you think that's a good idea? <laughs> Do you think? I think it's customary, isn't it? Kind of. Um, are, are you suggesting that the White House said, hey, Joe, come and stay in the Blair House, and then they're going to, like, strangle him in his sleep? Uh, I'm sure that his security will uh, manage that situation. But I have to tell you, you know, with the fifth column uh, with true believers, uh, with aiders and abettors and people who would, who, you know, cheered on the insurrectionists, uh, holding positions of uh, authority in our government, the odds of somebody, you know, having access to Biden and other Democrats in the Congress um, and a gun or something. I, 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 there's no way we're getting out of this without seeing some political assassination. I am telling you that right now. We are, remember uh, when this happened, uh, remember eight days ago? And one of the things um, that was said was, is this like the end of something we're seeing? Is this the last gasp of the, of the Trumpians? Or is this the beginning of something? And I think it's the beginning, which means we're in for a 
a rough time here. You've got enough true believers still being fed the same lies by Fox News and all those radio outlets and and the internet. You've got enough of them that they're not all going to just fade back into the woodwork. I heard someone in the military uh, suggesting that, you know, we could see uh, we could see IEDs in this country because they'll be fighting a kind of guerrilla war and they'll be using those kinds of tactics, terror tactics. I don't know. I don't know. John writes, please consider mentioning the Southern Poverty Law Center and their work on monitoring right-wing militia groups. Yes, they have done it, continue to do it, and do uh, mighty work. It is true. Uh, Southern Poverty Law Center. I would argue, though, John, if you're suggesting people should. Um, I... Uh, my father um, started a, a little family foundation. Believe me, it's small. Um, but he wanted to um, give money to organizations that he felt were doing uh, important work. And uh, Southern Poverty Law Center was always something that uh, that fam his family foundation gave money to. And after his death, um, I ended up being put in charge. And I started, you know, vetting um, these organizations. And Southern Poverty Law Center is a wonderful organization. But what I found out was it has a humongous endowment. And so because we had, you know, limited funds, I thought I'd rather this money go to an organization doing extraordinary work that isn't sitting on a ton of money. Check it out. Seriously. That's not a it's 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 not a negative. I'm just saying they don't need money. I don't believe personally. Uh, what is this? Oh, Barbara has noted that uh, Nancy Pelosi wore the same outfit for this impeachment as the last. It's black, which is proper because it is a mournful enterprise. Oh. Okay, what else we got here? Yes, um, thank you, Barbara, for reminding me. I wanted to note um, Officer Eugene Goodman, although he'd rather I didn't. Uh, Eugene Goodman is the black capital uh, police officer who we saw and have seen so many times 
just brilliantly protecting the Senate by appearing. <laughs> when I first saw the video, it looked like he was running away. And I saw people saying, oh, look, the cops are running away. He wasn't running away. He was luring the group away from the Senate. And he did it brilliantly. And people who uh, have military backgrounds have uh, said that watching that video is watching a man in incredible duress, in true fear for his own life, absolutely masterfully figuring out in real time the best thing to do. He was also in communication. He was he was radioing people as he was doing this about where he was, where he was, where he was coming, and he ended up leading the the whole group into uh, uh, essentially a, a corner where a whole bunch of other police were able to surround them. So, Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman is being hailed as a true hero. He. If he hadn't done that and the mob had gone where they were intending to go, this could have been a whole different story. They would have uh, gotten into the Senate chambers. So he doesn't want this attention because... <laughs> He has looked in the eyes of those people. They looked into his. He got the best of them. And uh, he now has understandable concerns about being targeted or his family targeted. Thank you. I did want to acknowledge that. Um, you know, somebody pointed out, we, we've got so many systemic problems that have become apparent uh, during um, this Trumpian era. Um, one, obviously, the Electoral College, but another being this ridiculous uh, long time for a president who has been repudiated by the voters, a lame duck, to still wield the extraordinary power that comes with the presidency for three months, almost three months. That's insane. The people repudiate somebody and they get to stick around. Now, most repudiated presidents in the past, understanding they've been repudiated, have, you know, pulled back, haven't started trying to use that power they have to get as much of their agenda done before the new president comes in. They have not done that. But the United States has like the longest, I mean, it is insane. Now, it, like in a parliamentary system like uh, the UK, my God, 
you know, the new government uh, takes over literally uh, the, the, the next day. The moving vans pull up to 10 Downing and, and out goes one and in comes the other. In Canada, in France, in, in Japan, in, 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 in India, it happens within a few weeks. And you know, of course, the only reason it happens in so long a period in our country is because of our fealty to the Constitution written by our founding fathers in the 1700s. When it could take a real, real, real long time for news and information to reach everybody, and then to travel to Washington. I sort of understand how they had that long a period. In fact, it was even longer. I believe um, it got shortened a little bit um, when Franklin Roosevelt was, uh, was president, but still way, way too long. And it's nuts. And I, the fact that we'd always had a president that was honorable somewhat, there is absolutely no justification for it now. And now we see when you have a dishonorable person holding the office, the kind of mischief that can happen. That needs to be dealt with. And then stop and think. Isn't something wrong if the United States has a president who has been impeached now twice, disgraced, a disgraced president, still holding power, A disgraced president still holding power who never won the votes of a majority of the people of the country. Never. Not the first time he ran, nor the second. Millions more people voted against him. And this disgraced, impeached loser was able aided and abetted by Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party to appoint one-third of the Supreme Court life tenure and a quarter of the federal judiciary life tenured. I see some real problems there. <laughs> I really, really do. Now, I know getting rid of the Electoral College would take quite a bit of doing, but my gosh, guys, we, we are seeing and we have learned the consequence of some of our uh, system. And it ain't pretty. 
We have a caller. Hello. Lynn, good morning. Hi. Um, I used to teach crisis intervention uh, management for uh, teenagers and, and young children in residential treatment centers. And hmm. as I was watching the events of, of last week that you were referring to with that cop, it struck me that he was a man very much uh, in control of himself and very much knowing himself. And uh-huh. in the midst of an uprising like that, even with all the training and everything that goes behind them, um, that was an extraordinary amount of self-control and restraint. So I, you know, when, when I used to teach some of this, this crisis intervention work, um, we always used to have kind of a, kind of a catch phrase that we would use uh, uh, training uh, childcare workers and such, which was, when we are at our angriest, we are at our stupidest. And certainly, you know, that's uh, something to keep in mind when you see uh, on kind of both sides of, yeah. of, of that picture. Um, and that's all. Isn't it true? And that's what a mob is too, right? A mob is a, is a, is a whole amalgam of, of, of enraged people. In, indeed. Uh, I mean, I think any, uh, and obviously the, the, the one woman was shot. Uh, I think, you know, many, many more of them could have been justifiably shot because those, yeah. those cops truly were in, you know, in fear for their lives. Um, just one quick question. Did you hear about uh, the second cop who died? There were, there were some things that I've seen that suggested that he committed suicide yes yes have you heard any yes i have and i know i believe he did he did commit suicide and it's unclear i don't i don't know why there's also somebody who was i think part of the mob who went back home and committed suicide really i did not not hear that and you know some people are calling you know are saying you know five people were killed and some people are saying six people were killed because they're counting the suicides but i don't know i i I don't know i don't know okay well i'll I'll leave you with a quote from our old friend voltaire if he hasn't been quoted on your show already um no when they can make you believe absurdities they can make you commit atrocities atrocities isn't that amazing there it is is that not a quote for the ages for our age there you go and i'll thank you you so you take care thank you thank you you too bye-bye yeah well we have found out uh heaven knows how easy i can't believe it but how easy it is for people to believe absurdities and now we're maybe starting to see yeah the atrocity part of that equation um it it is such a dangerous time uh qanon guys that talk about absurdity. I mean, absurdity is not a strong enough word for what QAnon peddles. 
and stop and think of it. We now have two Republican members of the House who openly embrace QAnon. This, do we need to go into what QAnon's about? Um, it's insane. It's like a conspiracy theory that on on steroids and uh, and uh, and psychedelics. I mean, I don't know what it is. Insane. And when you look at the pictures of that mob, you see a lot of cues, cues on shirts, cues on. That was QAnon, which just a few years ago was a laughable, understandably marginalized group of fringe lunatics. And now I'm not so sure it is incorrect to say they have the Republican Party in the palm of their hands, in the palm of their bloody hands. The Republicans are terrified of them, the monster they created. QAnon, triumphant. Uh, I saw something, uh, I believe this morning in my reading, that um, even though Facebook and Twitter and and Parler and all these other uh, places have been, you know, sort of closed down to a lot of uh, a lot of these uh, lunatics, uh, there are still, you know, dark corners where they are congregating and planning, and uh, some of it still very openly being planned, which is what that uh, huge conference called yesterday with all the police chiefs around the country and uh, Homeland Security officials and the FBI was all about. They are getting so much intel because it's just out there. What they have seen is that a QAnon group on a platform called Gab, has grown by more than 40,000 members in the last week. So, since the murderous insurrection at the Capitol, one platform where QAnon is active has gained 40,000 new members. Thousands more have been congregating in QAnon spaces on a private messaging app called Telegram. In fact, the article that I saw that said one uh, channel of this Telegram, which can hold 12,000 people, was so overrun this week with new members that they had to temporarily uh, freeze the feature that allowed people to talk to each other. So uh, 
This is the beginning of something unthinkable. Not the end. And I I want to say that, you know, Mitch McConnell saying he was pleased that uh, the impeachment was happening. Is Mitch McConnell being Mitch McConnell? He is a master manipulator. Just masterful. A manipulator of rules, a manipulator of media, a a political operative that is extraordinarily masterful. I don't know that Chuck Schumer is anywhere near as capable in that regard as McConnell. And it's why I said at the very beginning, now that McConnell has played this pretty damn well for him and even for his party, right? He is not going to have to deal with the Senate trial that will have to occur now. And as I said at the beginning, I believe that trial will again fail to produce a conviction. I really do. God, I hope I'm wrong. And if you think McConnell, who knows, that he is as vile a character as uh, ever ever slithered into a position of, of power. God almighty. So, yeah, here's Trump's America as he leaves office. Look at us. Look at us, as divided as ever with armed military in extraordinary numbers in our nation's capital, with every state capital on alert, with people in positions of power truly fearing for their very lives with people who side with the insurrectionists in positions within the government so that, as we were saying yesterday, what a riot, the deep state now sort of exists because they are all over our government, deep, sort of like the Russians because they're deeply in as well, as we know, right? So this is what Donald Trump has given us. This is what the Republicans have given us. This is what their enablers have given us. You know, and by the way, the stock market, it it doesn't care. It doesn't care. 
You would think with everything I just said that the stock market would be plummeting because it would suggest that the country is coming apart at the seams. The stock market's humming right along. I don't know exactly where it is today, but the reality is, and I saw someone quoted, I think it was in the New York Times or the Washington Post, some guy on Wall Street who you know, reads the tea leaves there and understands what's going on. He said, you know, they don't, Wall Street doesn't, well, let me wait. I'm going to find his exact words so that I don't um, mischaracterize what he said. Uh, he essentially said that Wall Street doesn't give a damn um, about, let me find it, about our democracy. Here it is. He is a chief market strategist. His name is Mark Chandler. He says, uh, the market is agnostic about politics, meaning if it's a fascist uh, government and it works for us, that's fine. And often fascist governments work very well with places like Wall Street. So Wall Street doesn't give a hoot about our democracy. Here he says, the market is agnostic about politics. We like to think that democracy is better, but at the end of the day, investors don't seem to care so much about that. And let me remind you, that is democracy. So, when we look at the enablers who brought us to where we are, also do not forget the Wall Street crowd. Because they enabled Trump because Trump did what they wanted him to do. The Republicans always enable Wall Street. And since Republicans don't care much about democracy, as we have now learned, so it's a perfect it's a perfect partnership. The market is agnostic about politics. At the end of the day, they don't really care so much about eh, the democracy teetering on the brink. No, just want to make more money. I have a caller. Caller, go ahead. Hello, how you doing? Hi, I'm hey. sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just want to say one thing about you were saying about Mitch McConnell. The difference yeah. between Mitch McConnell and Schumer is Schumer plays by the rules pretty much. McConnell doesn't. He makes his rules up. He goes along. So he can be as good as he is because he doesn't play by any rules. He makes them up as he goes along. So he, you're giving him too much credit. He's a slime ball is what he is, and that's all well, I know. He, he's he's a slime ball, but he's a smart he slime ball. Yeah. He's an operator. Yes, and he that's why he's looking so, you know, coming out smelling like roses because he never plays by the rules. He is I'm glad to see him go. I hope he's done being the majority leader. My God. Well, he what is done being the majority leader, but he'll be the minority leader right. of uh and he will have under him the same number of senators as Schumer has, right? It's yeah, gonna be fifty fifty. He's gonna have incredible power still. Yeah, it's uh and since Schumer's got uh, senators under him, like Joe Manchin, oh gosh, you could argue that Joe Manchin makes it fifty-one for the Republicans in a lot of situations. 
But maybe Mitt Romney will come over to us on some. I don't know. Yeah, it's who knows. Okay <laughs> then. All right, thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Uh, Barbara has pointed out, yes, I saw this too. God, what a vile human being. Uh, what, the new One of the QAnon uh, Congress people, they're both women, one from Arizona, and the gun toter from Arizona, and the other is this, uh, I'm not sure which one is which. This Marjorie Taylor Green is not the one, the gun toter, is she? Anyway, she has uh, said that when the new Congress is in session, she is going to be filing articles of impeachment against Joe Biden for abuse of power. <laughs> this is a QAnon lady. Abuse of power on his first day. Oh, God. Uh, in an interview with Newsmax, she said, on behalf of the American people, we have to make sure that our leaders are held accountable. This, this is the woman who, of course, refuses to hold accountable the current president of the United States who incited an insurrection. Ah, oh, gosh. She goes on, we cannot have a president of the United States that is willing to abuse the power of the presidency and be easily bought off by foreign governments, Chinese energy companies, and Ukrainian energy companies. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. I, you know, my head hurts. <laughs> my, my head hurts. Damn. Oh, Jesus. Um, I'm sorry. Hang on. Uh... What? Uh, president, the president is reportedly refusing to pay his legal bills to Giuliani. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's the best news I've heard in a while. He never pays his bills. And Giuliani should know it. All he does is stiff people and turn on them. Yeah, you know, he was willing to to have his vice president, his sycophantic vice president, strung up on Capitol Hill. Dear God, this is well. <coughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. That is the funniest thing I've seen. Of course, he's not paying his bills. First of all, he has no money. Well, he still has a little, but the uh, his ability to grift has been, um, you know, truncated a, a little bit, I would say. I would say. Oh, dear God in heaven. Okay. Well, um, guys, I don't know. You know, it's so funny. I When I see something that I think we should talk about, I have... Um, 
you know, I'll cut it out of a news. Oh, that's what I want to tell you. I'll cut it out of a newspaper if it's a newspaper I'm holding in my hand. Speaking of newspapers you can hold in your hand, um, I, I, I don't know if you uh, know that uh, the Post-Gazette has informed its employees that it plans to cut its Friday print edition. So I don't, I don't, so the, there's only going to be two printed, two a week. The venerable Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, what it has come to under its current management. I imagine they'll obviously have the Sunday paper, and I don't know what the the other day is. Must be sometime in the middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I don't know. Probably be Wednesday or Thursday, right? That's it. So, even though it's mostly only good for wrapping fish in, you're not going to be even able to wrap fish in it anymore. But as I was saying, you, uh, I, you know, I, I pull these things out and I, man, I got stuff here and it's, it's turning, you know, the newsprint is turning brown, you know, like it, it, the paper is not white anymore. It's sort of brown because it's been hanging around so long. And normally these would have been stories that I really want to, you know, share with you and talk about. And they all seem so, I don't know, unimportant. Now, uh, even though in normal times they would have seemed extraordinarily important. Okay, I'm seeing a few more. As I said before, too, my my email is so slow. This uh, city paper email I've been given that I, if you're you know typing something to me, the odds are I get it. 15 minutes later, I don't know. But here's some that just came in. Um, Brie, oh, I don't even want, Brie, you know what? I have been, I admit, just refusing to even think about it. Um, (laughs) Brie has sent me a really uplifting uh, article and it's, um, the headline is, Humanity is hurtling into a ghastly future it does not comprehend, scientists warn. Yeah, we are. We are. And it will make our current uh, troubles look like. That's the biggie. And humanity is showing itself. Is It's just not up to the challenge of uh, writing what it has wrought. And that's not just speaking of the shining city on the hill. That's talking about the entire globe now. Human beings. We have befouled our nest. And we are going to destroy all living things. We're, we're, 
the other thing that Trump, before he gets out, he's 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 he is. Uh, if you look at what's happened on the environmental uh, level uh, in just in the last week, and it's not like you know Trump's doing it. It's his people that he's put in who are wildly, uh, crazily trying to kill as many birds and humans as they can before they, you know, rolling back so that our skies will be more polluted. I mean, it's just they can't kill enough because they worship mammon. They, They see opportunities for money, and they think anything that stands in the way of that, be it life, or it doesn't it doesn't rise to anything that they find worthy of of protection. Oh my God! And Sue's telling me there are some efforts to impeach Obama. <laughs> All right, I, on that level of insanity. I'm going to um, bid uh, bid you a fond farewell, and um, God knows. I mean, I said this constantly. God knows on Monday uh, when we talk again what will have transpired in the interim. God help us and be safe. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.